On the cover, Southpaw kneels in the center of a destroyed building, cradling the broken, bleeding body of Zorn Zartan in his arms as he screams in anguish towards the heavens. Behind him, Waldo howls mournfully while the rest of the Midnighters and Young Vindicators look on in solemn silence. Wonder World Comics proudly presents The Midnighters, Volume 2, From Beyond the Stars, Issue 3, The Death of Zorn Zartan. Prepare yourself, dear reader, for another gripping tale of adventure, drama, and self-discovery. This is Wonder World Comics. So our comic opens with a scene of Midas. And you are frantically returning to the library and have just like barely made it there. You're panting. What has been going on? Where have you been? And why have you not been answering Moonflower's calls? Um, well, it turns out that uh, cell service is really bad in the nightmare dimension. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's, that's a lot of people's nightmare. Bad mm-hmm. cell service. There you go. Uh, but alas, uh, Midas has been um, on a search for uh, any answers to uh, what may have led to to our previous alien friends uh, having access to any any nightmare uh, realm based. Um, They're ooze tech. Ooze tech. That is that is where I have been, and it is. Uh, Time also works a little differently in nightmare. Right, so, that that's that totally checks out. So, um, so it's 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 been a it's been an excursion. Um, so you have actually just triggered a custom move. When you investigate the source of the mysterious ooze tech without your team, roll plus the label you used in your search. So, like in this case, you you know went into the nightmare dimension. So that I was you know probably sounds like maybe a freak roll. Yeah. You know, I was going to say, like, you know, if you went into a bar and crushed some heads and tell someone talked, you know, it'd be like a danger roll. Or yeah. Like yeah. some sleuthing, et cetera, et cetera. Sounds, sounds like. Freaky. Sounds a little freaky to me. Uh, and I roll 2d6 and add your. Three. 10. Ooh. On a hit, you discover a clue that changes everything. And yeah. also choose one from the following list. You weren't followed. You didn't overplay your hand and reveal a secret. The Vindicators don't know about your investigation. Mm, I wasn't followed. Cool. Uh, and then on a 10 plus, you also get to ask one follow-up question that I will answer, honestly. So. Ooh. In your investigation into the depths of the Nightmare Realm, you were able to have uh, sort of a... a dreamlike vision, a nightmare, if you will. Um, <laughs> but you were able to peer into the darkness and find the source of this ooze where it leaked out into the world and track that down and you find a lab. You're, you're not entirely sure where exactly in the real world it is, but you kind of see this inky black scene around you of some sort of scientist kind of... Uh, working over a desk, uh, talking to another mysterious figure that you don't see. Yes, yes, I believe the demonstration at the warehouse per proof that my berserkons are ready for phase two trials. Yes, 
I believe they are. It's also fortunate we have found someone who truly understands the strange magical material. And a in the scene, a portal opens, and out of it steps the silhouette of a woman. She's aged maybe 10, 15 years. She's got like a streak of gray in her hair now and a few more lines on her face. She's uh, wearing like a very form-fitting black dress that leaves this trail of slimy black ooze behind it. And you immediately recognize your mother. So uh, you weren't followed there, but you did overplay your hand and reveal a secret. So why don't you tell us about that? Now is is uh, I I would say that perhaps these uh, these scientists caught caught wind of my, uh, my yeah my peering in mm-hmm. on some of yeah as, as makes the most sense the woman walks in all the lab equipment starts to beep and uh, alarms start going off and uh, your uh, your mother turns and looks into uh, we get a panel from like you know their perspective and uh, she just turns and looks into a corner of the room and then the next panel is from over your shoulder and you're she's just making direct eye contact with you Ooh, cringe mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was like her nightmare dar went off mm-hmm. oh yeah the, the, she is but he wasn't followed so maybe the, there was a hard split mm-hmm. and like, but there's she, no trail she yeah but she knows that you were spying and trying to find out more about her but yeah she knows that you are out and using your magic powers and wherever she has been for the past you know what has it been like a, a year or so since you last saw her yeah, probably at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's also, yeah, looks like she's aged considerably since then. So, yeah, yeah tiny, whiny shenanigans in the Nightmare Realm mm-hmm. about, but as is tradition. Um, cool. Because, you know, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> you have to go three nightmares deep. <laughs> as we um, get a couple of panels of these flashbacks and these memories, um, we finally get the uh, panel back to you and, uh, you're, you're, you've reached the door of the library and just kind of take a minute to just kind of take a few deep breaths, calm yourself. Then you open the door and walk inside. The door closes behind you. And then the next panel is the exact same shot at the door, but it's security camera footage. Um, got like the little record in the bottom. And then the next panel is zoomed out just a little bit more and we see the black silhouette and red eyes of the mantis. You got a 10 plus, so you get to ask a follow-up question that I will answer honestly. Mm, where are these scientists, guys? Ooh, that's a great question. They are in um, a very advanced laboratory, just state-of-the-art equipment, um, extremely well-funded. There's not any, like, windows, no, like, open air anything, um, a very climate-controlled and pressurized kind of as you're getting a sense of where this is in the real world, realize that it is somewhere floating in near-Earth orbit. Oh, it's in space. Not, like, all the way in space, but, but like, like, upper atmosphere. Like, you know. Yeah, like, like too high to, to be, you know, driving to. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> too high to order a Subaru to? Too high to, yeah, yeah. They don't have flying Subarus yet. <laughs> cool, so... We turn the page to a beautiful 
two-page spread of the sun uh, rising over the horizon and of the campsite, the camper van, the coals of the fire. Um, where, did, where did everyone sleep, spend the night? Camper van's not got like, you know, one bed and maybe a couple couches. KT has been 200 feet above the campsite gently watching the stars and satellites all night long. Majestic. KG, when you think about it, it's kind of like a living nightlight. It's <laughs> <laughs> a direct quote from Sam, by the way. <laughs> um, Zorn spent the evening, uh, stayed up all night, didn't sleep a wink, but he sat uh, just kind of meditating on a rock looking out over the skyline, which is where he is. Sun crest the horizon. Midas, I guess you just got there. Oh, oh this is here. Yeah. Okay. Well, I you so yes, you get back to the library and look at your phone, and you have um, Eden. How many how many missed calls does Midas have? He has five because after five missed calls, Eden assumes that he's either dead or hates her. So mm -hmm. she that's does have some abandonment issues. Either either Not way, mention it. He had his chance. <laughs> <laughs> so um, like just the five missed calls, or like five missed calls, two texts, three texts maybe, mm -hmm. and then like one of the calls was a voicemail. Just one. And then one message on my beeper. That might be a reminder much. from Siri. Yeah. You yeah. Watch your CPAP machine. <laughs> Beepers actually do work in the nightmare. <laughs> Weirdly enough. <laughs> No, but uh, after after seeing all the the missed calls and texts and and stuff, uh, I don don I don suit and uh, fly speedily to. Uh, is everybody back at at like the? Yeah, you arrive at the shop code to find it empty. There's no one there, yeah, and the camper van is gone. Maybe mm -hmm. you should. Yeah. In that case, I try to make a return call <laughs> to Moonflower. <laughs> Yeah, so, yes, it is very, very early morning, Eden. Uh, how, how have you spent your evening? What are you doing when you get this call? I think Eden also did not get a ton of sleep last night. I think she was plotting. Mm -hmm. um, and scheming I, face. Scheming face. And I th but I think that, um, like, 20% of the planning was how to get this fake death of Zorn pulled off and I think the other 80% was like revenge on the young vindicators. I think that's mm -hmm. probably the breakdown more or less. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. Not only do you have to fake the death of Zorn Zartan, you have to do it in such a way that personally insults and hurts the young vindicators. Well she's a she's a multitasker, you know? Yeah, yeah. She's efficient, not petty. Oh <laughs> uh, she's both, first of all. <laughs> Eden doesn't get sad, she gets even. Excellent. She That's Eden. <laughs> that that said, I think she is kind of in a mood. So I think she's been plotting. I think she's mostly been keeping to herself. I think she probably at some point fell asleep, not super comfortably in the driver's seat of the camper. Mm -hmm. Just kind of. I, I think she's wearing a hoodie or something, and just kind of. Put Soft up. out. Yeah. What about Sam and Waldo? Oh, just a classic bedroll, like cowboys did. 
right by the campfire and um, just curled up perfectly serene, slept nice. like babies. Where awesome. did that can of beans come from? <laughs> exactly. I like that there's presumably some sort of bed or something in the camper. And yeah, no one is using it. it. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I realized when you said uh, you were in the driver's seat. I was like, oh, that's amazing. Amazing. It's perfect, actually. Yeah. Um, Eden, your, your phone's ringing. I guess it's going to wake me up, which I'm thrilled about since I got so much sleep. Um, I am going to see that it's Midas. And he did not respond to me five times, which is usually grounds for cancellation. But she's going to see about it. And she's still too tired to be, to fully remember her arbitrary boundaries that she set up and also still more mad at the young vindicators than she is at Midas, so she will answer. It is I, Midas. Uh, first off, super sorry about missing all the calls. I was kind of stuck in the nightmare realm for a bit. Um, I have no idea what's going on or where you guys are, but would love to meet up and possibly catch up on some very important information. Eden's still tired, so I'm just gonna him our location <laughs> and hang up pillow overhead back. or wait no you're in a driver's hoodie slumped down cinches up the strings she just sort of slumps forward over the, yeah, the yeah. steering wheel yeah amazing amazing Midas suits up and swoops so yeah you arrive at the serene scene of the campsite um, Zorn is still off by himself um, but yeah, the rest of the crew is starting to wake up. Are you guys preparing for this important day? Well, uh, Sam and Waldo are going to, um, well, so a little bit of a retcon. So Sam and Waldo got up at the crack of dawn and went, uh, and caught you know a few trout and they're on one of those like lines that you never mm-hmm. see anymore but that's mm-hmm. somehow they mm-hmm. they um they got a whole you know, strung them up on a line full, yeah, and, and yep. have a big a big ass cast iron skillet going on a coleman burner and um and then a, a big enamel like coffee pot percolator making cowboy coffee over the fire and uh and so, yeah, Sam is like uh, breading up the next uh, fish fillet that's going to go in the grease, and uh, throwing uh, throwing Waldo some some bits and bobs from the uh, gutted fish and the and whatnot uh, as Midas uh, flies up. Does Zorn have any feelings about the fish? Uh, no, he thinks okay. it smells delicious. Not not that kind of fish. No. Okay. It has not been smoked. Fried fish is completely it's, just totally <laughs> mundane. Yeah. And like it's it's trout too. You know, herring has a different connotation. Um, right. Because of, because of the implication. Because of the It is completely one hundred percent the size of the fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please no, continue. Yeah. You're 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 trout are fine. Uh but yeah, uh, Midas, you yeah arrive at this camp. People kind of start to wake up, and a strange alien figure sitting along. Uh, 
Well, I see I see Southpaw at the fire, and so I, I go up to him in his delicious fish, and uh, I ask him kind of what's what's going on, especially with the the unknown alien that's just kind of popped up here. Oh, hey, Midas, where'd you come from? Uh, the Nightmare Dimension. <laughs> right, yeah. No, I knew as soon as I said where'd you come from, I was like, well, it doesn't matter. Also, I wasn't even worried about it. I just <laughs> assumed that you were in Nightmare Dimension, that you were flying or whatever. You were done with that. So anyway, you're here now. Some introductions are in order. This is our friend Zorn Zartan. He's a part of the circle, a symbiont of the circle, and uh, he escaped the oppression pits, and we are trying to help him escape. We are going to fake his death so that the young Vindicators and a bunch of other bad folks, I, quite frankly, I can't always keep track of like who and what is going on with all this stuff. There's a lot of like names, but what I do know is we're helping Zorn get out of the oppression pits. But anyway, uh, like I said, uh, Midas, Thorn, the Righteous Flame, this is Zorn Zartan, Pilgrim, Visitor to Earth. Zorn, this is our good friend. Greetings. It is good to meet you, Sir Mike. <laughs> Champion Midas. <laughs> does uh, does Zorn Zartan do do firm handshakes or something something else funky? Oh no, he has he's very he's fairly humanoid now. Okay, um, yeah. Uh, Can I give him a gladiator grasp? Yes, yes. Um, he has thick, burly arms and grasps you with his uh, three fingers and one thumbed grip. And I just I just I just suit just my arm for a bigger mm-hmm, grasp. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he grasps your grasp very strongly as well. <laughs> <laughs> Says, uh, any friend of champion Southpaw, champion Wolfo, is a friend of mine. <laughs> now, it is a beautiful morning and a good day to die. <laughs> and I, look, I look at Southpaw and I was like, I think I'm still missing something, but that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, Southpaw's busy cooking. He'll wait for Things are stirring. What are yeah, things are stirring. So what's the team up to? Oh, also, you guys have spent all of last night coming up with this amazing plan, um, which triggers uh, another custom move. When your team works together to craft an elaborate ruse in order to avoid an intergalactic conflict and save the life of an innocent alien, the leader of your team rolls plus superior. So who's the leader of this elaborate ruse? It has to be... Moonflower, because it was her idea. Yeah, she's the one yeah, who was yeah. up all night thinking about it. Eat it. Go ahead and roll plus superior. Oh, my favorite one to roll. So yeah, I'm just going to read this out for the, the folks at home. Um, so uh, you will roll plus superior. Um, on a 10 plus, the team will hold three prep. On a 7 to 9, uh, you'll hold two prep, but uh, Eden will have to mark a condition for, you know, worrying about this plan. Um and on a miss, the team will hold one prep anyway, but your enemies will have plans and machinations of their own. Well, good news. I rolled an 11, so that, that's three prep. Heck yes. So the team has three prep in the pool, um, and any teammate during this ruse uh, can spend one prep at any time to have a flashback to the team coming together and creating a contingency plan for this exact specific eventuality. And then you'll take a uh, plus one forward while enacting that plan. Eden, your, uh, the troops have rallied. Your team has assembled. What do you, what do you say to them before you pull off this 
daring mission. I'm gonna look at Midas and say, are you up to speed? So she feels uh, like maybe some of the explanations have been lacking. I feel like I'm halfway there. Okay, okay. Long story short, we need to fake Zorn's death. And ideally, we need to make the young Vindicators look bad doing it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, broad strokes here. Three steps. We need to get the young Vindicators' attention. We need to stage the death. And then we need to do something to make sure they don't, you know, try to take his body anywhere to study or cremate. Nothing like that, right? Sure. Good. Good. Excellent. And how are we going to go about doing this? That is uh, the last panel on that comic. And then we turn the page to see uh, later that day. And everyone is in position, <laughs> ready to enact <laughs> this plan. Awesome. That's awesome. That Eden has planned. <laughs> so step one, Eden, how are you getting the Young Vindicator's attention? Eden doesn't have that many numbers in her phone. So, I guess inconveniently for her, she's going to have to call Shrike. Shrike here. What's going on? Do you have some time to talk? Um, about what? About the other day? Um, the robots and the aliens? Yeah, I mean, uh, we're still working that from our end. Um, I might be able to carve out some time this afternoon. You can meet me down on the boardwalk. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I'll see you then. All right. Boardwalk. Shortly afternoon. Be there. Cool. Yeah, so it is shortly afternoon on the boardwalk. What is what is uh what is Eden wearing as Shrike? Are are you in are you in superhero clothes or are you in civvies? She's going to be in her superhero uniform, which looks a little silly during the middle of the day. <laughs> but Shrike doesn't know her secret identity. It occurs to me that I don't think the other people on the team do either. Mm -hmm. Like maybe we, I it don't come up yet. Yeah, it hasn't come up. I don't know. I don't think anyone's seen her completely maskless. I don't think they know her name. I know yeah. I refer to her as Eden half the time, but. Good, good. I'm glad you all have remembered that she's playing in business mode better than I have. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so she, she is there as Moonflower and not Eden. Shrike approaches from behind you. He's also in his super suit. His wings are folded. Hey, uh, not exactly the quietest meeting spot. I was in the area. Cool, cool. So, uh, what did what'd you want to talk about? Eden's going to walk a little bit further down the boardwalk. She is feigning just a little bit of a limp. Mm. Are, hey, are you okay? What happened? Remember the other day when I called you about the robots that were attacking us? Right, right. The evil security drones from space. You told me about those. Yeah, well, I didn't call you in because I was handling them fine myself. Okay, I mean, that makes sense. Uh, look, I don't really 
want to get, you know, get into this right now. Like maybe if you weren't, you know, harboring a criminal, they wouldn't have attacked. And I already told you that they were already attacking Lincoln Park by the time we got there. I have information that says otherwise. Hmm. Well, agree to disagree then, I guess. I guess I just, she kind of pauses and looks strategically upset and says, I thought that you said you wanted to work together. Ooh, it sounds like you are trying to provoke him. Oh, I'm trying to provoke him, all right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, when you provoke someone, susceptible to your words, which he definitely is, say what you're trying to get them to do and roll plus superior. That is a seven. Awesome. On a on a 10 plus, they rise to the bait and do what you want. On a seven to nine, they can instead choose to do one. Um, they stumble and you take plus one forward against them. They err and you gain a critical opportunity or they overreact and you gain influence over them. What do you already have influence over Shrike? Yes, I do. Yes, you do. Okay. Yeah. Wait, yeah, do, well, he has influence over me. I don't think I have influence over okay. him. Okay, yeah, no, he's going to overreact and you're going to gain influence over him. So he says, look, I... When I said that, I meant it, and I still do. And listen, I, uh, I've just been having a really tough time with Black Falcon. You know, like, he's just... The other night, I was... We were interrogating this guy, trying to get information on where this X-87 Prime character might be hiding out, trying to find some leads. And Black Falcon just burned his face off in the exhaust of the jet. He had already told us what he knew. And like, I just, look, Moonflower, honestly, I just don't know if I can do this anymore. And yeah, he is, he's feeling a little emotional and is overreacting and opening up to you and you gain influence over him. I'm taking a second to think how Eden would process this. I think that she is a little bit surprised. I don't think she's used to having heart-to-hearts with people. I don't, I don't know if she certainly didn't think that's what was going to happen here. Um, yeah. So who is um, watching this conversation take place? And uh, what are you going to know? do as you notice Moonflower uh, kind of stumbling here in this critical point in the plan. Hmm. Well, it's on the boardwalk. So mm -hmm. Sam's burger joint spot is right yeah. there. And so he's there kind of watching and he's actually working mm -hmm. as a burger boy. That's kind of his cover. Because um, I don't know. Sam's never, I mean, Southpaw is not uh, super well known, but neither is he super heavily guarded about <laughs> his identity. <laughs> uh, or, like, you know, uh, hard to pick out of a, you know, lineup, at least of silhouettes. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know if, 
is is Moonfire like wearing a wire or something that we can like listen in on? The oh yeah, she's got a comms. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're so I, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, if you have someone here somewhere you're going, I can just play off that. But um, well, so I was just gonna say if if Sam knew that there was like an awkward moment happening and felt the need to intervene, he would probably use his patented very good throwing ability and just throw a burger patty like skirting along the ground so that <laughs> a trail of of uh seagulls and and just other nasty ocean birds would come like scurrying and flying at you guys um just to break it up um, yeah, so this is the critical point in the plan where Shrike needs to spot Zorn Zartan off on the beach. So go ahead and roll to unleash your powers and chuck a burger fatty <laughs> to strategically draw his attention. Uh, can, can I ask how well done this burger is that it skips instead of flops? <laughs> I mean, I won't hear any slander of the... <laughs> Of the a salty very, freeze. Uh, <laughs> a very ironic a yeah. very ironic situation indeed when you discover the fact that if that burger is too too rare and too raw, it will skip and bounce. And if it is too well done, it shall skip and bounce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there's a sweet spot. And so let me just so let me just set the record straight. The burger is perfectly, the burger patty, it's just the patty, is perfectly <laughs> prepared. It's greasy, what is, it's what is the What is the meat to fat? Is it like a 80-20 or 90 Oh, no, no, it's horrible. It's the worst Cisco burger you can find, but the preparation is perfect. <laughs> it was made with love. Yeah, it was made exactly. with love, like a Subaru. Yeah. And uh, so, but no, he so he chucks it kind of like he at this point knows the the packs of birds so he specifically throws it like through the air that is surrounds this like cluster of birds that tends to like flow up and around the seating around mm -hmm. the salty mm -hmm. freeze yeah and yeah so it's their turf yeah yeah so he like you know frisbees it right under their you know, cacophonous, hard-billed noses. And so, and then it slides behind Shrike so he doesn't see it and like under a bench that's just like beyond awesome. him. So all these birds come flying at him straight from this gap between like uh, businesses on the boardwalk where there's a staircase and you can walk down to the beach. And awesome. that is the sight line that we're looking for. So... That is the shot. Go ahead and roll to unleash your powers and nail this throw. Oh my god. Uh, so go ahead and roll 2d6 plus your freak. Um, no pressure. So it's 2d6 minus 1 is basically what I'm going for. That's what you're rolling. Okay, guys. Uh, wait, do we, do we have team in the pool separate from our prep? Oh, yeah. I... I mean, yeah, you guys are, are enacting, you're putting the plan into motion right now. Yeah. So I would say you guys are coming together as a team to fight a, a dangerous foe. In this case, the powers that be that want to apprehend 
Okay. Zorn Zartan. Because I don't want to blow a prep necessarily, because I feel like a prep has got to be for some sort of real coup de gras type of situation. Cool. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, I think that, that's a good call, actually. Yeah. I think we totally okay. need to do the, okay. the team roll. Moonflower is the team leader. We enter battle against a dangerous foe. We add two teams to the pool, so we're up to three. Um, Moonflower does have influence over everyone else on the team. Yes, that I is do. correct. Yes. Awesome. So I also we, have my captain move. That's right. So we get plus one from you having influence, plus one from captain. So we're up to five team. Um, Moonflower, what is your purpose in this fight? My primary purpose is to convincingly fake Zorn's death. Awesome. Does, does everyone else have the same? Does everyone else have the same purpose? Yes. That is correct. Awesome. So we are up to six team in the pool. Amazing. Does anyone mistrust Moonflower or Zorn or anyone else on the team? No. No. Um, and your team is definitely not ill-prepared or off-balance because you've been prepping all night for this. So, awesome. So you have six team in the pool. All night and half the day. Right, right, yeah. right. You know, why... Just, you know, don't plan too far ahead. Yeah, you know? <laughs> we, can, we can do it tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fine, Zorn. <laughs> don't worry. Eden, I Eden, so many English papers at the last minute. Yeah. Eden did have to go home and shower. I mean, they were camping, and she was going to see strike. So that I mean, that like there was a little. There was, yeah, there was, yeah, there was, there was, yeah, there was yeah. some some downtime. Okay, so now now we're rolling the two d six plus your freak, which plus, is minus one. Okay, plus a team. If necessary. But we won't, because we have such great rolls. Six on that die. And a five. That Boom. means 11 minus one is 10. Still Boom. On a 10 plus, you do it. So you chuck that burger, and it just, like, catches the breeze just right, and is able to just kind of arc right through and around the periphery of Shrike's vision um, while managing to... Uh, Attracted the attention of both Gus and Ralph, who are the two like big alpha male seagulls on the beach, <laughs> and so they both like lunge after it. And of course, the whole rest of the flock goes after. It. Um, yeah, and there's uh, a whole big kerfuffle. Strike uh, whirls around and sees um, Zorn Zartan moving his way down the beach, trying to slip away into the ocean. Eden. Watching the kerfuffle says, friends of yours? Because they're all birds. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Sam over the car. literally <laughs> Sam. <laughs> Got you! Okay. Um, right. Oh, yeah, he says, ha ha, very funny. Uh, holy shit, that's, uh, I gotta go. And his wings pop out, and he rockets into the sky and down the beach. And it is go time. He um, starts, uh, as he's flying away, Eden, you can hear him calling in on his headset. This is Shrike to the Young Vindicators. I have eyes on the target. Everyone down to the boardwalk beach now. And so he is, Zorn is sprinting away. Shrike is moving in. And uh, the rest of the Young Vindicators are very quickly closing in. Swift is there almost immediately and tackles Zorn and trips him up in the surf. And uh, the rest of the young Vindicators are arriving by jet um, very shortly. You can see it already in the sky growing closer and closer. 
You said that Swift has tackled Zorn Zartan and thrown him into the surf, if I, I did mean, not hear incorrectly. Uh, yeah, that, that's where she tackled him. But yes, you are. As I would like, as uh, the moment to kick off our plan, as his arms flail, soon as his one of his arms reaches its apex and looks like it is believably aimed towards the young Vindicator's jet, I would like to manipulate light to look like he is firing some sort of calibolt from his hand and take the opportunity to blow one of the wings off of the young Vindicator's jet. Amazing. Um, is this like a maneuver that you and him practiced in order to make it look extra believable last night? To borrow a phrase from Southpaw, you're darn tootin'. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So, uh, yeah, so we're so we'll spend one of the prep, and we get a great flashback to uh, Zorn and uh, KT in this exact situation, and um, Moonflower, you are swift in this situation. We see the the three of you going through this choreographed fight, and him turning and holding his arms just so. Uh, KT, what um. Calibolt, are you are you firing? We shall create the illusion that Zorn Zartan is firing a neon purple bolt from his hand. Go I ahead. shall I shall and roll Pulse Freak. Yeah, go ahead and roll to unleash your powers and you get plus one forward for acting on your plan. That's going to be an eleven total. Amazing. Yeah, this works out perfectly. It's just a perfect cut from one panel is the three of you going over this last night and then it happening the next day. And it's just a perfect copy paste. And this beam of high caliber, bright violet energy coalesces around Zorn's hands. It fires toward the jet. Is is part of this light show... Um, getting the jet to move or what are your, what is your, what are you trying to do? With the arc of light streaking towards the jet, I then carefully create a small gravitational well right behind the port side wing that rips it from the plane itself. That's so cool. Um, so yeah, in this just carefully, choreographed maneuver you shear the wing and it starts spiraling the ship starts to bell billow smoke um you can uh swift yells into her microphone Akina! yeah it starts careening towards the beach it looks like they are about to crash into the surf but at the last minute Akina is able to level it out and they skip across the waves and then slam into the sand Birds go scattering. Uh, Gus wound up with the lion's share of the, the patty. Um, <laughs> the the whole ship kind of finally slows to a stop, and uh, there's still some burning uh, smoke and smoldering wreckage. But uh, Kina and Miss Justice appear to be unharmed inside. Southpaw. Runs onto the beach 
and with a level of concern and or agitation that maybe would be considered ridiculous if if, if a stealth bomber hadn't just crashed right mm-hmm. in front of everyone. Mm-hmm. He goes down and is like, let me at him. Let me at him. And he like charges in and like jumps at Zorn to try and like punch and wail and fight with like every scrap that he has. Whoa. Are you um I don't know what move this is. <laughs> you guys see what I'm doing? Okay, good. I'm glad you see what I'm doing otherwise. But I feel like I have, I have to do this actually. I think it actually I'm even though he's uh hamming it up as it were, he does he did get in there with great speed that as good a speed as he can manage um to get between Swift and everything else that is going on. Okay, okay. Might you say you're defending then? I am defending. I could, I could, yeah. Yeah. That is is Sam's true purpose and also his play purpose, I think, uh, is one way to put that. Awesome. No, that's amazing. Uh, That totally works. So go ahead and roll plus savior. Eight. Oh, so then it's nine. So then it's nine. There's Team the Pool. Mm. If we want to bump this up to a ten. <clears throat> I think I'll do it. Yeah, Midas, where have you been this whole time, waiting for this exact moment? I think that uh, I've been looking out from uh, from a distant enough, but still nearby rooftop, so that I could kind of get an aerial view of what was going on. And I think now might be a very good time for me to... to Portal beneath the surf. A little, a little sneaky reach around action. Yeah, so you um, move to your position under the waves and are able to tangle up Swift's feet during the crash uh, to give Sam enough plausible deniability to have saved her from serious injury, which brings us up to a 10. When you defend someone on a hit, you keep them safe. Um and you also get to choose one. Add a team to the pool, take influence over someone you protect, or clear conditions. Interesting. I think the, the thing that makes the most sense is to clear a condition. Mm-hmm. And I know I have one left, and I believe it's guilty, pretty sure, um, from a long time ago. That would have been and, the fight yep. with uh, yep. Yep. the ogre. Yeah, that's right. Yep. 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 You do have a Yeah, no, I... I, I yeah. Well, any number of the times I got my ass kicked, I had mm-hmm, to like, mm-hmm. take conditions. So, um, but I think that really what's happening there is that um, Sam, in like getting to fulfill this part of the plan, but also to get himself on Swift's radar a little bit in a mm-hmm. little different way. At least he hopes. Mm-hmm. A bit of an like it's it's a bit of an ego trip, but like he's he's kind of like weirdly gotten over himself by getting back into himself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And to that to that point, um, he's a, a very tall, well muscled guy that Swift is tumbling through the sand with. So you definitely have her attention, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay, yeah. So uh, you two tumble to a halt, 
and uh, Zorn stands up and levels his hands at the wreckage of the jet. Says, everyone stand back or I will blow the jet and kill everyone inside. What do you do? <laughs> Guys, he got us with what do you do? Dang it. Yeah, got him. <laughs> I think I think it might be Moonflower. Yeah, Moonflower. Yeah. So Zorn is trying to keep eyes on a lot of people. I think somehow, as a result of like whatever scuffle just happened, where people are running into each other and running at Zorn and trying to tackle him and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Eden, as she likes to do, strategically positioned herself behind him. Mm-hmm. So she is going to throw a knife at him in what what would be, Michael, a good non-lethal <laughs> uh like minimal actual damage sort mm-hmm, of position mm-hmm. for this throw. One one of the joints. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he he has many joints. He also, I mean, we could have a, a flashback. To or something to like Zorn telling yeah, you about this his, is flashback time. Yeah, for, I think this is my, this definitely flashback to know. Uh huh. Um, you could uh, you could throw one laced with a weak paralytic, which would slow him down, mm-hmm, slow his metabolism yeah, yeah. down. And so we have a flashback to the you and Zorn having a conversation about his symbiont uh, physiology and how it adapts. And um, we get a panel of him telling you, uh, you asking him, you know, where should I try and hit you to cause the least damage? And he uh, says, uh, uh, symbionts are able to heal from uh, sometimes catastrophic damage. I do not believe one of your blades could cause critical injury. Uh, however, I will attempt to move my, one of my shoulder tendrils into position in order to absorb the blow. Eden so. respectfully disagrees and thinks she could cause critical damage if she She won't. She's gonna that. let it slide. She's gonna let it slide. She she thinks that might not be like the friendly thing to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. She doesn't right. think she's gonna win points by pointing that out. Right. Like that. Right. Cool. Oh, so awesome. That to herself. Cool. So you get um, plus one on this maneuver. Uh, so you are using one of your poison daggers. Um, are is this more of a direct linkage of threat, or maybe unleash your powers? I I mean I have zero on both of those. It doesn't super matter which I roll between danger and freak. But I think it's more of an uh, unleash your powers because your powers yeah. are very poison and knife related. That's true. Also, and this is it's not using... really a threat that I mean. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. you're using your powers with you know. Precision and expertise. Manipulation is also one of her powers, so I think it tracks. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, you're unleashing your powers to overcome an obstacle. So go ahead and roll plus freak. Uh, plus freak and plus one. Plus one from the prep. That is a nine. Ooh. We have five teams in the pool still. That's a lot. I shall, I shall spend a team happily. Excellent. How do you help ensure that this uh, all goes according to the the master plan? I shall completely negate the effect of Earth's gravity on that thrown blade so that its aim flies true. Perfect. So that indeed flies perfectly true and embeds itself harmlessly 
in the fleshy tendril on Zorn's back. Uh, however, the paralytic does begin to take hold and enter his bloodstream. Meanwhile, Zorn is still uh, expous- exponding? Expounding? Exposing? Exposing. There's a word there. I just can't conjugate it. Expiating. That's for uh, admitting. Guilt. Is Zorn monologuing? <laughs> monologuing. He's, he's, he's monologuing. Yes. Expounding. He's expounding. Expounding. Extemporating. Extemporating. There we go. So um, Zorn is exfoliating. Yeah, so he's extemporating on uh, about the uh, dangers of his powers and how he could easily ignite the fuel source and uh, trap Miss Just and Akina inside the fiery coffin of the ruins of the ship. As so does maybe like his voice is slows down or like his motion mm-hmm. starts to change a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Southpaw, Southpaw kind of puts on a really stern face and turns to Swift, Swift and says, "Stand back a little bit." And he turns around. He's got a real ass grenade in his hand, <laughs> and he jumps up onto Zorn's. Like at Zorn's face to knock him over backwards into the deeper water mm-hmm. with this like it's, it's like you know classic grenade in his hand and he's like you son of a bitch <laughs> and um, and uh, so and yeah Zorn uh, is also shouting and and uh, yeah uh, flaring his powers I think I. We might have to spend a prep to, in order to answer the question. Sam, where'd you get a hand grenade? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they have that at the shop, co. I don't yeah, think that's one we can. Not, you know, it's not in any of the aisles. Shop, co. No, but at the gun uh, show right next door. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There we go. Um, but no, but no. So here's the here's the real story. So this is again flashback mm-hmm. night before or you know, early morning. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, Going over the plan. And, and Sam's like, well, my uncle Hector uh, served in Vietnam and he served on a pontoon boat keeping watch on uh, this. I- anyway, it's a long story. He ended up like not doing a whole lot, you know, but like, like apparently like smoked a lot of weed and just like hung out. But anyway, he got into all these cool knickknacks and he would show me different like stuff, some of which I probably shouldn't even mention, just knowing the people that Moonflower knows. Anyway, that's fine. That's fine. Anyway, um, you know. Moonflower's raising an eyebrow. Yeah, that, no, no, no. That it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> but he gave me this grenade. He said, Sam, if you ever run in to one of the Tempe Hells Angels, and they find out that I'm your uncle, you have got to pull the pin on this motherfucker and throw it (laughs) at whatever motorcycles are after you. Just trust me on this. And uh, so 
because I don't think I'm ever going to be in Tempe, or if I am, I'll probably have like either KT or Midas or Moonflower or all of y'all with me and like any of those is better than just one grenade. So like, I don't feel like I need to hold on to it just because of the Hell's Angels and Tempe. So anyway, yeah, I was thinking that we could use this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we get the panel of Southpaw grinning from ear to ear, holding up a hand grenade. And then we get the next panel of him in exactly the same position with just like a roaring, you know, screaming in anger, raising the hand grenade in his fist and uh, bashing it down on Zorn Zartan. And uh, yeah, this is the, I think this is the moment, yeah, where the grenade clashes with Zorn's powers and things go sideways. So, um, what am I gonna make you roll? Dice. Thank you. <laughs> yep. Oh, I was worried there for a second. I'm hoping we're all... Midas is hiding underneath the waves and he like created a little stirring broil of stuff mm -hmm. to like help position us all where we needed mm -hmm. to be. He's still underneath the waves. When Zorn, real Zorn, goes underneath the waves. He's basically just going to fall into a portal. And he's, yeah, away. that yep. is where the, that's the, the yep. trick, you yep. know, that's where the trick's mm -hmm. happening. So, yeah, and so <laughs> when I, when I shove this grenade into Zorn's head and blow it up, I'm really, you know, really happy. I mean, yeah, hopefully it's, hopefully it's the fake Zorn. You know, I'll just say that. <laughs> you know, awesome. It's awesome. got to be the fake Zorn, otherwise I wouldn't, so, I wouldn't do it. So. Yeah, so we're gonna need some. Uh, yeah, so I think yeah, Zorn would be using his fake powers now as well to yeah. try and obfuscate this. Yeah. yeah, we need like a big splashing, splashing for flash a second. Light. Yeah, well, which can, can also be provided. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's and that's so right. I think, yeah. So I so think make me roll whatever you want, but just know that Midas has got honestly. So everything that's going down and this crazy plan and the flashback that we just had, I think Midas is actually rolling to unleash his powers here. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, that's hundred percent. That's what I hoped would happen. That's mm -hmm. when I jumped with the grenade. I don't know what you guys thought was going to happen, but my whole goal was that. At the other end of this, Midas would just swoop down and <laughs> Midas will, will save just, the day. <laughs> raise me up on demon's wings. Um, can I? Am I able to roll to charge my? I was just going to ask you if you were. Yeah, because I, I think, think that is that. wise. I think um, that'd be a good idea. So as uh. The water is kind of frothing and churning, and we have this display of light that KT is providing uh, in order to cover suit expanding and growing and spikes exploding out of it as you gather all of the nightmare energy into yourself. So go ahead and roll 2d6 plus your conditions mark. Ooh, a 13. Awesome. So on a 10 plus, you get three burned. Ah. And nothing bad happens. Delicious. Um, I will spend two burn to channel the full capacity of my incredible powers to overcome obstacles, reshape the environment, or extend the senses, and get a ten plus. Can I describe what that looks yeah, like? Yeah, no, no, no. Yep, please. Cool. Um, so as um, as how do you pronounce his name again? Zorn Zartan. Zorn Zartan. Yes. 
As Zord Zartan uh, splashes down the waves, uh, I am beneath him doing a doing a little switcheroo with the portals here, keeping far enough away from Southpaw that, that uh, no, no direct damage is done to him. Um, and then once the, the switch has just occurred, I put a little extra flare into a direct vertical burst of explosive flames out of the surf. So it looks like there's a lot of damage done. Ooh, excellent, excellent. Um, so yeah, and you uh, fully unleash your powers. Yeah, so this happens. You pull it off. There's a massive explosion of flame and presumably hand grenade. Sam, you were holding a hand grenade. Oh, right, yeah. So this is how I envision it um, from Sam's, from Southpaw's perspective, because he is Southpaw now. Mm -hmm. Um, He sort of like, you know, gives this look and he's got this grenade and then he jumps to knock Real, real paralyzed Zorn over into the water mm-hmm. before he's fully paralyzed, um, but he's still like thrashing around. So as they splash in, Sam's going to like exaggeratedly shove the grenade as the you know like mm-hmm. as though he's like putting it in some like cracks of his like biotin. Mm-hmm exoskeletons or mm-hmm. like in his mouth or something he's gonna be like ah and like then roll away and in the, like you know roll off to the side kind of swing okay, splutter okay. away a few and then feet we have B. um so i don't know how many feet away i get it might not be enough to avoid taking a powerful blow uh just in you like just putting that in your head of like mm-hmm. he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna jump knock him over scuffle Plant the grenade in the vicinity. How about I'll, I'll put it this way, um, team? Your friend Southpaw is in imminent danger. It oh, will okay. get hit by this grenade. Oh, okay. I spend my last burn. Um, yeah. Okay. Then I just use it to create a barrier during that explosion that protects my friends from damage as long as I'm concentrated. One burn. Sam is worried that in, in the planning process, Sam is worried that if he doesn't get scorched, mm-hmm. then it's not gonna sell. Yeah. Okay. I mean Sam wants to, Sam's gotta get like his Southpaw has to get rough. If up you if you are asking me for permission <laughs> to take a powerful blow, I will let you. <laughs> I would I wouldn't mind if there was you know if they, you know we still have team like that can mm-hmm. what what might have said I still pre- like I don't want to like obviously die or get like really hurt but like I feel like there's there's no way around the fact that yeah. Sam's purpose in this is to sell this, mm-hmm. this I physical could, you I could alternatively also in this kerfuffle take you under the water for half a second and do a little poof of fire on you it's yeah actually yeah uh, you know, that's grenade. what that's what i was thinking too is like you could use your burn and make a barrier that protects southpaw from having his entrails exploded with shrapnel yeah. like he's still near a fiery explosion that's, yeah yeah so yeah, okay. so i think i think maybe what, it's my skin but not my yeah skin. i think i think yeah. your barrier prevents sam from Dying yeah, from a yeah, hand grenade, yeah. I think you might still take a power okay. blow. Right. Oh, okay. Let's, let's do that. <laughs> like, that sounds good. 
That seems. Fair. I think. I think that's. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Good use of her. So you cleared uh, your last condition. So go ahead and roll two d six black. One of these days I'm going to get this right. Three and five. So eight. So eight. Not great, but it's not fine. not terrible though. Yeah. Not terrible. Yeah. Could be worse. Could be a lot worse. So on a seven and nine, you choose one. You lash out verbally and provoke a teammate to full hardy action or take advantage of your influence to inflict a condition. You give ground and your opposition gets an opportunity or you struggle past the pain and mark two conditions. Is there anyone, is there, do I have influence over anyone on the young vindicators? Probably not. Given it to Swift, yeah. But it didn't make sense to me that that, I didn't think that would work. You know what I mean? So anyway, it is what it is. Wait, what was the last one again? Take a powerful... Take Struggle a past the pain and mark two conditions. That's right. Okay. Um, I think that I think that's it. It's just that... You be, and that's and that's typically what Sam would do anyway. Um, I think, yeah, maybe in the... Somehow in all this, Sam thought he was going to get off a little bit easier than he was, as he typically does. So, um, yeah, I think it just kicks his... I think it just really uh, hurts a lot, and it makes him... Uh, feel angry and uh, insecure, maybe. No, wait, angry and afraid. In other words, like this whole explosive concussive event, like maybe it like like rung his bell and or like. I mean, to be fair, you still have not gotten your last concussion checked out. Right. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. we've got that problem too. But like. I mean, have you, have any of you guys ever, like, I mean, it could be even something small, like stubbing your toe, but like, or like, but like when you hit your face, when I get, when I get my face hit or hurt, I get quite angry. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I think, I think Sam's actually like completely lost control again and is like kind of like, you know, stumbles up out of the surf with like blood coming down his nose and is like, ah. Ah, you know, that kind of stuff. And yeah. floating up out of the surf is the corpse of Zorn Zartan. Yeah, Sam doesn't even notice that. He's just like <laughs> sloshing his way onto the beach. Like, yeah, anyway, but holy cow. Um, yeah, the young Vindicators are stare in shocked silence. Akina is helping Miss Justice out of the wreckage of the Falcon Jet. And as you are all looking down at the body, there is a crack of what sounds like thunder, a mighty boom, and a tube of blue energy comes out of the sky, and uh, another Hanatong enforcer bot descends. You said you would return the prisoner to custody. We assumed you meant it would be alive. And Shrike just kind of looks back at them, looks at Moonflower in shock. Just kind of doesn't know doesn't know what to say. Kina steps forward and says, uh, "We apologize. Uh, battle got out of hand." Sam's totally uncontrolled. It is just like it's like tearing off his uh, mask and his baseball uniform and all that stuff. And this is just like ah ah. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, like throws his hat, you know, like just being ridiculous. This is why Hanatong has the emotions of his subjects repressed. 
<laughs> Very well. We will take the prisoner's corpse and return it to the oppression pits to languish for all eternity. And uh, the Honaton security drone scoops up the corpse of Zorn Zartan and begins to slowly float into the sky. As you look around, um, Shrike is like physically shaken by this. Just is shocked. We're going to see Eden kind of do this like we have one panel where we see like she's looking at Sam who I think is shirtless at this point. Did I gather that correctly? Yeah, he has no shirt. His blood coming down his face and he's no mask or hat and is just like sl- like slumped onto the sand. And is just like laying there with his eyes closed. So, so we're gonna see Eden look at Sam, and then we in the next panel see her shift her attention to Shrike, and that's a love triangle right there. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? I, I saw what you were doing there. Yeah, yeah, it was super, super subtle. I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are professionals. <laughs> You Even know, the if, people if that flat out the comic book mm-hmm. made it a triangle arrangement of <laughs> images to show mm-hmm. these glances happening. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's all triangles all the way around. You know, if I were a real professional, I would know, I would have known where this was going when I started saying this. Yeah, two very emotionally distraught boys. <laughs> and a girl who is so good at mm-hmm. managing other people's emotions. That is, in fact, what she excels at. KT slowly rise from underneath the ground where they've been hiding this whole time. As they rise, their hands forward to gently carry and pick up Southpaw from the ground. KT will look very pointedly at Shrike and Akina and simply mutter, Maybe these birds need a little more time to practice before they spread their wings and fly. And then KT will continue to rise in the air, holding Southpaw and float towards the nearest hospital. Shrike is going to turn. He's just been kind of staring into the middle distance at the alien blood floating in the water where Zorn's body was taken from. And uh, kind of looks up at KT's comment, turns and looks at Moonflower with just a very, yeah, pained and kind of confused and hurting expression. And then turns away, looks back at the crashed Falcon jet and turns away and wings spread, takes off into the sky. The young Vindicator's jet, would you consider that important? Uh, Very. Would you consider it something important that was broken? Uh, yes, quite. Um, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that would totally count towards clearing a condition and stuff. Then, uh, with the twofold hurting both Shrike and Akina emotionally, as well as breaking something very important to them, KT would request permission to clear the angry condition. 
that that totally checks out with me. Um, I also think that we are at the end of volume three from Beyond the Stars, which means we should do our uh, post-game wrap-up move. End of session. So um, at the end of every session, uh, so everyone will choose one. Did you grow closer to the team, grow into your own image of yourself, or grow away from the team? Who'd like to share first? I will. I will go with grow into my image of myself because I had a had a little bit of a brief vacation from <laughs> the gang, but uh, I at least was able to successfully use my powers to uh, pull this off. A brief interlude from normal space-time. Yes. Yeah, we're able to learn a lot more about your powers and what they're being used for in the world. Totally awesome. Complete with mind-blowing yeah. existential revelation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, also, you learn some yeah. wild, pretty crazy <laughs> shit. But um, awesome. Yeah, so you get to um, go ahead and shift one of your own labels, one of your labels up and another down. Moonflower, how about you? Did you grow closer to the team, grow into your own image of yourself, or grow away from the team? I would say that I grew closer to the team. Excellent. Excellent. Who made you feel the most welcome? I think right there at the end, KT deliberately kind of throwing shade. Yeah, throwing some shade at the young vindicators. Mm -hmm. Um, But you put a bow on the beef, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, and I, I think that, like, really... The beef was the, actually eaten by the seagulls. But, oh, right, right, right. Well. <laughs> I presume. I, I, don't, I don't know what... Um, anyway, <laughs> I I think that Eden is aware that the beef with the young vindicators really largely is hers. They have been sort of, at worst, annoying to the other Midnighters, but Eden's the one that they mm-hmm. really actively been exclusionary to and like actually hurt feelings i think right so the fact that the team and kt specifically with that mm-hmm. hardened mm-hmm. shot um yeah it's got to be really affirming right that they kind of stepped in to help eden fight her battles even though they're somewhat petty is nice awesome. to her hell yeah so moonflower you get to um Clear a condition or mark potential, and KT, you get the ever-coveted influence <laughs> over Moonflower. It is growing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're opening up to your teammates. Good. Oh, that's a character Love it. arc and right that's there. character it's growth. character growth. Oh my god, <laughs> guys, we're doing it! <laughs> Southpaw, how about yourself? Do you grow closer to the team? Wait, do I... Shift oh, labels at all? No, that's um, what I already have. Yep, yeah, that's yep. Yeah, everyone okay. already had. Yeah, yeah. He just yeah. KT just gets it. Got Sweet. It. So what are my options again? Grow uh, close to the team. Grow into your own image of yourself, or grow away from the team. He grew close to the team again. Mm-hmm. And it was actually exactly that thing that that Moonflower said. Where yeah, Sam still you know is kind of just go along, get along like. It, it, in again, in one like kind of uh, self-centered part of his mind, he's like, "Yeah, I'm on this team mm-hmm. of young superheroes, and I mean, whatever." But then he also has a deeper sense that he really doesn't belong. And this episode with Zorn made him feel more like a team than it. I mean, like it made him feel like, "Okay, now I really have arrived." And mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we're so that doing really, stuff yeah, now. Where that really happened was when they came and accused us of, you know, harboring a, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a fugitive, which we were doing. But that whole episode, <laughs> that whole like sequence, just made me realize how much I didn't like them, mm-hmm. except for the fact that he also did realize he had a crush on this way. Whoops! But he doesn't like them in general and as a team, and he is like very committed to the fact that the Midnighters are where it's at, and Mm -hmm. that we, you know, like that we are doing what Sam wants his purpose to be. Mm -hmm. So closer to the team, absolutely awesome. Who made you feel the most welcome? And it could be from any of the the three issues as well. Right, right, going back. Um, trying to think. I mean, it sounds like KT or Eden. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually, yeah, I am going to say Moonflower because uh, he just is so bought in. Like when she said, we've got to fake his mm-hmm. death, it was yeah. just like, okay, yes. Because he was kind of, it, like you know? just before that, it was like <laughs> Sam was just like, I don't know what to yeah. do. Are we, yeah. is the right thing to do to let this pilgrim die in order to save us? And was just kind of distraught. And it's like, no, I got this. We just need to fake his death. Yeah. It's easy. No. Yeah. That, yeah, that, that makes sense. Direct mm-hmm. the certitude of it, the cunningness, of, you know, to just mm-hmm. cut through everything else. Because Sam would have been lost in the sauce about like, wow, someone's going to let himself die for us. Mm-hmm. And we really can't. You know, like yeah. what the hell are we gonna yeah, do? Like, that's that's a real hero. What am I doing? But know? yeah, and like, um, yeah, it was gonna be a compounding issue, and then this whole thing gave mm-hmm. him a chance to do what he does best, and that's like get himself concussed. <laughs> <laughs> so, Eden, you get to shift Sam's labels again, and Sam, you get to clear condition or mark potential. Really, his, his one true aspiration, whether he knows it or not, is to just accrue conditions. <laughs> one more head injury, and Southpaw will taste nickels every single time he sneezes. <laughs> I am going to say, let's shift Freak up. Because I think Sam took a little more damage in that brouhaha than we planned on, but I have to imagine at some level the planning he sort of voluntarily was like, no, to make this look convincing, I'm going to have to get a little roughed up, you know, and I think someone's got to take a hit. Yeah, that's pretty gnarly. That's that's pretty badass, so so let's knock Freak up one and let's knock I guess just converse of that. Let's knock mundane down one. Awesome. And then KT. KT has KT has grown into themselves just a little more this adventure. Excellent. Excellent. How do you see yourself now and why? I am still a stranger in a strange land, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I cannot protect myself or my newfound family there are many others out there that might be able to fly such as myself but their wings are made out of feathers and wax and because of that they cannot even touch the sun (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, single tears. <laughs> you flew too close to me, bitch. <laughs> um, awesome. Go ahead and shift your one of your labels up and another one down. I shall drop mundane to minus one. And I shall raise superior to three. Amazing. Yeah, that totally checks out. Well, I think that is everything. Wonder World Comics is an actual play podcast of Masks, A New Generation, by Brendan Conway. This issue was GM'd by Michael Dunham, who can be found on Twitter at Galvanic Man. Southpaw is played by Charlie Smiley, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Big Sky Charlie. Moonflower is played by Kyra Nelson, who can be found on Twitter at Kyra M. Nelson. Graviton is played by Sawyer A. The Righteous Flame is played by Theodore Hampton, who can be found on his website at theohamptonphoto.com. Wonderworld Comics is produced and edited by Michael Dunham. The music is from Dvorak Symphony No. 9. Do you have questions or comments? You can get a hold of us on Twitter at wwcomicspodcast or send us an email at wwcomicspodcast at gmail.com.